The French existentialist philosopher Sartre was probably the most famous philosopher of the 20th century. And when he was a boy, he was playing in the attic with his stuffed animal. And he was, all, he was there on his own, and he burnt this stuffed animal with a candle. And so he looked to his left and right to make sure that no one had seen him. They, he hid the stuffed animal. And then he was struck by this terrible thought. God saw me. And so, as a seven-year-old boy, right then and right there, he resolved that he was going to be an atheist. He, he, for Sartre, God was, was the greatest threat to his freedom because he was the universal lawgiver and the omniscient judge. So, in an act of bold defiance, as a little boy, he decided never again to live under the suffocating gaze of God. Well, although Sartre was an atheist, and here we are in church, we might find some startling resonance of his image of God lurking in our imagination. Although we would never assent to it openly, this, this image of a God who's always watching us with a red pen in his hand, ready to correct, ready to mark us down, it might be there somewhere in the background of our imagination. And so Jesus tells us today, you have the wrong vision of God. Let me tell you who God is. God is your Father. He says, do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. He delights to give you good things. He's not waiting to chastise you, waiting to punish you, waiting to take something from you. On the contrary, He delights to give you the kingdom. He's, he's not neither begrudging nor, nor sparing. He rejoices to give you everything, to give you the kingdom. Or listen to this parable of the vigilant servants that Jesus tells. He says, Blessed are those servants whom their master finds vigilant on his arrival. Amen, I say to you, he will gird himself, have them recline at table, and proceed to wait on them. The servants are eager for their master to arrive. They're vigilant, but that doesn't mean that they're there anxiously waiting for him to break in. They're eager for him to arrive because they love him. And with good reason, Jesus says that when he arrives, the master himself girds himself and serves his servants. Now, it's true that immediately after this parable, Jesus tells another brief parable that seems to confirm our original suspicion that God is the enemy of our happiness. He says that we should be prepared because he himself is going to come like a thief in the night. And so there might be a part of us that says, yeah, that's the God that I'm afraid of. The God who's coming to rob my joy. And we might think, Sartre will pay for it later, but at least he had his fun while it lasted. I'll play by the rules because I have no other choice. Because God is God, he makes the rules, he's more powerful than me, so I have no choice but to follow him. Well, how can we reconcile these two apparently contradictory images of God, which at least on the surface both seem to come from the teaching of Jesus? Now, 
There may be wounds from our past that distort our image of God, but I think at least one part of the answer is this. That for the person who is committed to sin, God will seem like an enemy or an oppressive judge. And he is our enemy. He's the enemy of our false happiness and our mediocrity. But that's precisely because he's our father. He loves us and so he can't tolerate to see us in slavery to sin. He can't bear to see us groveling on our bellies when he knows that we were made to stand and to walk and to run. Precisely because he's a father, he's the enemy to our sin and everything that enslaves us and keeps us from living as sons and daughters. So long as our backs are turned to God, we'll always regard him as an enemy. But the moment we turn to him, the very moment we turn to him, we'll recognize that he's not a robber chasing us, but a father following after us to bring us home. Today, the Lord wants to teach us a new kind of vigilance, not this anxious glancing over our shoulders to see if we're being watched, but the eager expectation that comes from love. He wants to lead us into the second stage of Christian life. The first stage is when we renounce evil and begin doing what we ought to do. That's the first stage of Christian life. The second stage, when it truly becomes Christian life, is when we open the door to him, when we begin to live in loving attention to him in the great and in the ordinary events of life. That's true Christian life, when Christ begins to live in us and he changes everything. Every event of your day, planned or unplanned, becomes a door on which Christ is knocking. And when you open it, he begins to act through you. J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of The Lord of the Rings, wrote a short story called Leaf by Niggle. It's a beautiful short story, and it's about a painter who was always being interrupted by his needy neighbor. So after his death, two angels deliberate about what kind of purification he's going to need in order to prepare him for the encounter with God. And so one angel advocates for him. He says, you know, he always, he almost always answered the calls, referring to the the calls that God was making him through his needy neighbor. And the other angel replied, yeah, that's true, but he always regarded them as interruptions and not as calls. Now, has that ever happened to you that you get so busy or wrapped up in your own plans that everything feels like an interruption? Everyone's stealing your time. Even the things that, objectively speaking, you love to do feel like they're taking space on your calendar. Well, there's a different way of seeing. There's a different way of acting, where every event is a call from Christ. It's the risen Lord knocking at your door. He wants to be with you. He wants to act in you. So when you begin to live in loving attention to the Lord, he'll flood your life with joy and purpose. New possibilities arrive in every encounter because Christ 
is acting in you. I can tell you that so many times in my life, when I forget this, it's like I, I'll, I'll begin to engage with someone and I'll feel like, okay, I need to get through this and, and be on to the next thing. But then I hear the Lord saying, no, I want to speak to this person. I want to love this person in you. And it opens the door to a new kind of encounter. And that's what the Lord wants to do in us. And he can do that in us. He wants every encounter of your day, every event of your life, to be an open door for him to enter in and act and speak and love. So one way to begin to practice this way of living is to pray with your calendar each morning as you begin your day. So look forward to the day's events, the meetings, the people that you're going to meet, the conversations you're going to have. And then use your imagination. What could happen if Christ spoke through me in this conversation? What could happen if I make dinner with the very love of Christ? What would it look like? Look forward to your moments of prayer as true encounters with Christ. Anticipate them. Long for them. Well, even now, the Master is knocking at the door. At this Holy Communion, He Himself, who's our Master, will serve us. He'll feed us with His own body and blood. So let's prepare our hearts to receive Him.